0: Hey everybody Memcowski here. This is the Muscle Intelligence podcast. Thank you very much for joining me today with a special episode around the concept of lean for life. A lot of people have come to me over the last 25 years to help them get into great shape, get lean, healthy and muscular. And what a lot of people don't understand is that 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 word healthy is in there on purpose. I don't just make up those uh three three words and throw them together haphazardly in order to become ultimately lean in order to become muscular, healthy has to be a prerequisite. And there's certain physiological prerequisites that either make your body more apt to want to lose fat, either at rest or or when exercising, uh, and make it not want to lose fat, either when exercising or at rest. And understanding these things is an absolute necessity to get you in shape. Some people just want to work harder and harder and harder and get in shape. And I think there's value in that, there's merit in that. But ultimately, if you want to work smart, You want to learn ultimately how to get in shape and do it in a sustainable way. Stay in shape for the rest of your life. Lean for life. There's a certain number of things that you want to prioritize, a certain number of physiological prerequisites that have to happen in your body to ultimately make this happen more effectively. There's six things that I like to say are lay the foundation for the optimization of long-term sustainable fitness. Now, sustainable fitness, sustainable fat loss in general is a very, very challenging thing because there's a lot of factors playing into uh, these homeostatic mechanisms that exist in our body and in our mind. There's a lot of things that are ultimately pulling you as far as reward mechanisms, pulling you to eating more foods, right? We have evolved for a long time to first keep ourselves alive, to maintain these homeostatic mechanisms, and second, to receive reward from the pursuit of whatever it may be some type of high calorie foods. And those things make us feel really good. So while there is a lot at play, we also want to make sure that we're doing all the things necessary to not have our physiology fighting against us. So many people are are working really hard senselessly and needlessly and not getting the results they want. I have so many guys that come to me and say, man, I feel like I'm working too hard for the amount of results that I'm getting. And it's because you're not doing things in the right order. You're not prioritizing things that are ultimately what I call your physiological prerequisites to transforming the six basic things that you must be doing before your body. Body will ultimately transform and ultimately want to transform, right? This, this concept of, is it easy or is it hard? So a few things that we're going to cover in today's podcast, the one simple practice that you must be doing daily to alleviate stress, the six high-impact precursors, which is what I just talked about, the critical training phase that everyone forgets, laying a foundation before you ultimately work hard. The life it, training anyways is a continuum between execution and effort. And if you're not doing them in the right order and doing things correctly, you simply going to be beating your head against the wall, not getting results, uh, how to overcome the gap between your goals and your process process is enormous. If you guys don't understand there's, there's a natural law of sequence, things have to happen in the right order. And the final thing we're going to talk about today is a single greatest influence on your physiology. Um, which people just simply don't understand. And Ladies and gents, if you're enjoying this podcast, and, and I know you will, there's a lot of great information. This podcast was, was uh, extrapolated from one of my coaching calls to my coaching community. Uh, some of the things we teach on a regular basis, just getting into ultimately helping you understand this process, so that you can make decisions more effectively for yourself. Have, helping you get in shape once is great, but what I like to teach is principles and concepts to empower you to be in shape for the rest of your life. If this is something you enjoy, you're going to want to join our Lean for Life program. You're going to want to check it out. Head over to MuscleIntelligence.com/Lean. We're open for only a few days. We're opening for four days between now and Sunday. Um, to sign up. And we have a very limited number of space. We're only going to take a hundred people. And once we fill up, we're closed, we're done. And uh, at least until next round. So ladies and gents, uh, and I want to talk a little bit about the people who have been successful uh, in the last round. Gosh, it was mind blowing. 12 weeks, we had uh, Steve losing 43 pounds. He's in his fifties. We had um, Les losing, I believe is in his high thirties, even low forties pounds. He's in his fifties. We had Patrick, who is 60 years old, lose, I think, 32 pounds. We had, um, Stefan, not lose too many pounds. I think he lost 15 or 18, but God, his transformation was phenomenal. And so many more guys who were into certainly double digits, high 20s and 30s pounds of fat loss in just 12 weeks by simply following the plan. And this is not me making up numbers. All these numbers are there on the sales page for you guys to check out at muscleintelligence.com lean. If you're ready to take action between now and the end of the year and start off 2023 on a high foot, not having to worry about your body composition, not having to worry about how you feel in your clothes. Simply be confident showing up at your highest and best. Head over to muscleintelligence.com slash lean after you listen to this amazing podcast with so much amazing information. And If you guys want to join our community, this is the way to do it right now. I look forward to seeing you on the inside. Enjoy the podcast. Sometimes it can feel like you're alone, right? Sometimes it can feel like your challenges are unique. Does anyone feel like that? Does anyone feel like your challenge is like, oh gosh, no one's going to understand me and my problems? I'll tell you what, in the twenty three years I've been doing this. What I find is n- your challenges aren't unique. Your gifts are unique. Your challenges are very common. You can you can usually narrow down your challenges to six to eight things that kind of everyone experiences. Today, we're about how to optimize training, nutrition, lifestyle, and mindset, which is kind of the four pillars of a body transformation. We would cover everything that everyone is experiencing right now, right? specific to your body. Obviously, we're not getting into relationship stuff. We're not getting to financial stuff. But those are separate challenges. But specific to your body, we could cover pretty much everything in a short amount of time to allow you to solve a problem. Most of us will say, because I, I was here to exist in a stressed state. Yes? Yeah. You got, the world's pretty stressful right now. It's a little different. Change is stressful. New beginnings are stressful. Uncertainty is stressful. There's a lot of that stuff going on in the world right now. So many of us live in this part of our brain called the amygdala, kind of our fight or flight animalistic brain, really primarily focused on, uh, you know, cons- consumption of food and maybe uh, protection, things like that. So I'll tell you what, we all kind of tap into it on a day-to-day basis, don't we? We tap into this like stress place and I'll get, uh, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to presume that most of us, when we fall into that stressed mind, tend to have breakdowns. Right, we and I don't mean psychological breakdowns, but maybe if we're supposed to be following a diet plan, you know what? I'm stressed. I'm just going to do this thing that makes me feel better. I'm going to have this drink. I'm going to have this cookie. I'm going to have this donut. I'm going to eat this food, or I'm, maybe I'm not going to train anybody with me on that. Does that that never happens? Does it? We get stressed, and maybe we fall off our plan a little bit. Right. So maybe one of the things that we should all be looking to do is to train our mind. To become maybe a little less reactive to these stresses. Maybe we can make our brain a little more resilient, a little more anti-fragile. You guys with me on that? One of the biggest gaps and yet the biggest opportunities that every one of you has to make progress in the gym is by creating a greater internal awareness. So when you're doing an exercise, could you guys honestly tell me, raise your hand if the answer is yes? Could you honestly tell me at every segmental inch of every rep exactly what's contracting? Do you have that level of internal awareness, internal connection? From my experience, that's one of the biggest gaps preventing people from ultimately making progress, not only in the the entire body transformation, but also obviously what happens in the gym. So your ability to get out of your mind and get into your body is a gift. It's, a true, it's truly a gift that can prevent you from being overwhelmed and stressed and ultimately doing these reactive things that are setting you off track, right? So as people who aspire for excellence in our life. You know, one of our, um, our mantras at Muscle Intelligence is demand excellence. Let's demand excellence of yourself, right? We want to demand excellence in everything we do. And the only way you can demand excellence in what you do is what? If you become aware of your actions, it's been proven that after 35 years old, 90%, up to 95% of what we do is unconscious programming. So if you want to change who you are now, or change the way your body looks, or change the way you feel, or change your emotional state and make yourself more effective as a human, you have to increase that internal awareness. That kind of creates a gap doesn't. It creates a gap between stimulus and response, the great Viktor Frankl. We want to create a bit of a a gap in the stimulus. So we're no longer living in that monkey mind, that animal brain I mentioned before, the amygdala. Now we're in our prefrontal cortex. Now we can make intelligent decisions that move us toward progress. I know this isn't what you guys were expecting, but I'll tell you what, training with intelligence is all about using your mind. It's what's called top-down control, right? So we have bottom-up control. We have top-down control. Bottom-up is reactive, right? Bottom-up is, if I throw you a basketball, you catch it, it's a reaction. It's bottom-up. It's instinctive, right? Top-down is, I'm going to tell my biceps to contract. I'm going to tell my calves to contract. I'm going to feel my breathing going in and out in my diaphragm. You guys, that's top-down muscular control. Upper motor neurons controlling lower motor neurons, right? So these upper motor neurons in your brain can actually instinct, can um, control the the output of your muscles and imagine like um like a concert pianist can hit a uh, hit a key with just the right amount of force to make it play this beautiful song you all have that ability to tap into every muscle in your body in that same way and i'll tell you what you don't have to want to aspire to be a concert pianist but you should probably gain some level of control over your body if you're stepping in the gym, period, okay? And now this isn't the entire topic of Recovering Today, but I wanted to start here because I think it's important for you guys to realize that no matter where you are in your journey right now, putting in a three-minute practice to start your day every day, a three-minute practice before you train to cue into your body is one of the greatest things you could possibly do to change your ability to change your body, right? So when do I personally do this? I do it first thing in the morning. I do it when I'm brushing my teeth. I do it before every meal. And I always do it before I train. Those are my times, right? I'll always, and it's literally can be, the better you get at it, the less time it takes. So sometimes it takes me one breath. Sometimes it takes me five breaths. Sometimes I give myself five minutes, but it doesn't have to be a huge amount of time. All it is, is giving me an opportunity to get out of the racing mind. None of of you here have a racing mind, do you? Nobody has a mind that kind of, just kind of get started and you can't slow down. Now nobody has that. Some of us do. But it, the, the ability to stop that mind and get out of the chatter is a very important attribute to be able to become more conscious and therefore change. For those of you that don't know a lot about me, um, some of you have done programs with me, some of you have done coaching with me. Those of you that don't know a lot about me, I, I have a very interesting past, right? So I was from 2008 to 2016. I was a professional bodybuilder. I was one of the best bodybuilders in the world. I was one of the top guys in the world. Um, but I didn't always start there, right? So I, for those of you who heard the story before, I grew up uh, in a family of obese alcoholics. And uh, my my food, my lifestyle as a child was not in any way healthy. You know, I consumed uh, every bad thing under the sun and not a lot, not a lot that was good. Um, I was told that uh, not only was I obese, And had a learning disability, but I also had a speech impediment. I couldn't speak correctly. And I thought as a kid that, well, at least I was told that I was an idiot. I was told that I was dumb. I was told that I would never amount to anything. You guys all hear that, that kind of cliche stuff, but it's true. And what I didn't realize that my body and my brain were just an expression. They were a result of my lifestyle. So I I lived on sugar. I don't think I had consumed any protein and vegetables until I was probably 14 years old. I slept with the lights on. Constantly and the TV. So, my sleep was a disaster. Um, my activity level was pretty good. I kept pretty busy outside only because there was so much trauma, anger, and violence in my house that I didn't come home until the lights and the streetlights went off so that I could sneak into my room and not be seen. Right. So, it was like living in this traumatic, what I call a war zone, which, which I shouldn't, but that's what it felt like to me as a kid. There was so much um, trauma. There's so much, um, anger, uncertainty, and explosive uh, fighting, but I just wanted to avoid it. So I lived in this constant fight or flight sympathetic drive. And I was just I became very overweight. You know, it wasn't until I was probably 17 or 18 that I actually wasn't didn't feel like I was at a de- at a deficit. And I didn't know that it was a result of my environment and my diet. I just thought it was who I was. Right. I don't blame anybody for that. I don't blame my parents. I don't blame my grandparents. I don't blame anybody that's just my reality, right? And I was able to take control and say, I remember being as young as seven years old and going, you know what? I'm not like these people. This is my birth family, but there's something about me that I'm just not like these people. Seven years old. And as early as 13, I started taking interest in nutrition. I started taking interest in health and started reading magazines. I actually became a vegetarian for a little while because I was this young, impressionable human. And they're like, Hey, this is what you should do. And this is what's healthy. So I was like, cool, that's what I'm going to do. I didn't have a very healthy version of of a vegetarian diet, but that's what I did. And I thought it was healthy. And it wasn't until I was probably 17 years old that I started to understand a little bit about nutrition. And then I was hooked. I was hooked. From that moment forward, actually, probably the time I was about 17, in 1998, I decided I was going to become a professional bodybuilder. I thought it was the healthiest expression of a human. I didn't know that it wasn't necessarily (laughs) healthy. But I, and I'll tell you about that in a minute, but I, I thought it was, I was like, look at those people. They look like the healthiest people in the world. I want to become that. And so that set me on this journey. And uh, so I was a pretty athletic kid. I was often the kid who was picked first, right? Why was I picked first? Because I was known to be the guy who would never give up, right? I would lift the people around me up and I would never give up. And th- these are the type of people that I like to work with now. Does anybody resonate with that? Like you may not have been the best. Maybe we were the best. But you're the type of person who just like, if you say you're going to do it, it's done. I, I acquired the nickname as a, as a teenager, seek and destroy. Because if I said if it was done, like, get out of my way. And there's nothing that's going to stop, stop me, right? That was my nickname. And I, I developed that reputation for persistence. And maybe it was my resilience to stress that I kind of learned as a kid. That like, no matter what happens, I can do this. And I hope each and every one of you realizes that about yourself there's, oh, I should say this. There's one thing my mother taught me <laughs> as a child. There's one thing my mother that sticks to me that, that, my, that my mother said to me. She said, Ben, if anyone in the whole world can do it, so can you. That sticks in my brain. If anyone in the whole world can do it, so can you, right? And, and I think about that now as a coach. is like, if anyone in the whole world can do it, so can you. Is that real? Maybe. I couldn't be Shaquille O'Neal, but I could do a lot of things. This podcast is brought to you by our friends over at Organifi, a longtime sponsor of the podcast because it works. We use it. Organifi Green is particularly useful for someone who isn't getting all their vegetables. Not only does it taste amazing, but you're getting organic, really, really high quality superfoods to ensure your body is getting the nutrients it needs to help your body get the minerals and ultimately Feel great. If you want to be energized, if you want a, a treat that truly tastes amazing, head over to organify.com slash muscle and get hooked up with 20% off for a limited time only. Um, they also have a great red product, which is ultimately beets and berries that ultimately can help cardiovascular function and erectile function. Guys, head over to organify.com slash muscle and get hooked up with 20% off. Today's podcast is also brought to you by our friends at buy optimizers. MagBreakthrough.com slash muscle intelligence to pick up the highest quality magnesium that exists anywhere. There's seven different types of magnesium in this one bottle. Why do you want seven different types of magnesium? Ultimately, each one has an influence on a different aspect of the system. So certain ones work in the nervous system, certain ones work for the muscles, certain work in the digestive tract, and every other system. They also have different rates of absorption. So your body doesn't get um, bombarded with too much magnesium at once. It actually has almost like a slow dripping effect, which is very, very useful. Bioptimizers also has an incredible array of really, really high quality products that you guys have heard me talk about before, from Masszymes to their patented P3OM probiotic, uh, hydrochloric acid, Capex, so many amazing products that you guys can benefit from literally the entire line of their incredible products over at bioptimizers.com. That's B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S. And you can use the code MUSCLE10 to get hooked up on your next order. Ladies and gents, thanks for being here. appreciate you, as always. If you're not already subscribed to the Muscle Intelligence Podcast, do so now and share this podcast with at least one person that you know and love who wants to live their greatest life in a body that they love. And well, so then, what's the gap between... My desire to do something and the end result. There's a few things, right? I say, I say it's just a couple of things. I say it's energy, clarity, and action. So I need energy, right? Does anyone ever get up in the morning and not feel like they have enough energy to complete the day's tasks? Or maybe after your day of work, you don't have enough energy to complete the day's tasks. Sometimes, energy, clarity. What's clarity? Well, I need to know where I'm going. I need to have a very clear plan. And the the ability to follow it step-by-step, right? So energy, clarity, and action. And if you have energy, then you have action, typically, right? If you guys, let me ask you this. If you had an abundance of energy to do everything you need to do in a day, would anything be a problem? Like, I got to go train. No problem. Got enough energy, right? Got to go do the dishes. No problem. Got enough energy. So all of us, including myself, should always be aspiring to maximize energy. Right? We want to maximize our body's ability to produce energy. How do we do that? One thing I'll say about the muscle intelligence approach. Now, we're calling this the Pekulski Method. I think it makes a lot of sense. No one else in the world is doing it. And uh, it's something that, that happened for me you know, over the span of, I guess, 18 years. I started training at 17. By the time I was 35, I had a pretty good understanding of how to build results or how to build muscle for just about anybody. And in the last five years, I've actually taken the time to take what I do unconsciously. So if you were to come into my life and I would train you, I would do things unconsciously to help you progress. And in the last five years, I've taken what I do unconsciously and made it conscious. So now I can teach not only you, but I can teach coaching. So I'm going to get into this. So when you walk into my life, when you guys walk into the gym, some of the questions that should be coming up for you, should be coming up for you. What exercises should I be selecting, right? So this there's this conversation on exercise selection, right? What, what, what exercises do I do? Well, how do I know which ones, right? How do, I, how do I know which one's best for me? Do not do the things you pull off the internet, right? Why? Because you're not them. You're not me. You shouldn't be doing exercises that I do. You should do what's best for you. And I'll talk a little bit about how to select exercises, I'm gonna talk a little bit about how to master those exercises. There's a very simple thought process that you guys can be implementing to help you master those exercises. So we have exercise selection, exercise mastery, ultimately, execution mastery, and then we have intentional progression. Right. And if I can teach you guys those three things, and intentional progression is programming, how to how to build a great day, a great workout, how to build a great week, and how to build a great month. Is that easy? So if I teach you those three things today, I hope you'll be able to leave here with a really great understanding of what you need to be doing to be effective. With me? Exercise selection. This can get complex, right? Depending how complex you want to get. So you have to assess, this is where the beginning, this is always the beginning of it. You have to assess, what am I good at? And what am I not so good at? Based on where I want to be. So for someone who is advanced, this requires, it necessitates some standard of performance. You create this for yourself. You say, where do I want to be? And what's my minimal acceptable standard, right? Where do I want to be? So you should be assessing yourself in a couple of different areas. One, mobility. Don't neglect mobility, right? Don't neglect mobility. Why? how many of you have joint, Pain, joint, you know, whatever, however you want to express it, joint stuff, nagging pains, little, unco- little uncomfortable movements. Yeah. So that's the absence of a couple of things. It's the absence of mobility for sure, but it's also the absence of stability. Right. So when it comes to assessing exercise selection, I want to go, okay, where is my mobility relative to what I need? Where is my stability relative to what I need? Where is my skill? Mobility, stability, and skill. So when you're choosing exercises, I want you to think of it from a perspective of, th- actually four themes. i add another one, mobility, stability, skill, and the, f- the fourth one is simply output, and I'll talk about those in a second, output. So we want to be able to generate work, right? We need to be able to generate work, um, work, call it um, force output, right? Call it torque, call it tension. We need to be able to generate tension if we want to transform our body. But the prerequisite to all those things, you don't just go in the gym and arbitrarily move because you're going to cause more injuries. You say, okay, what do I need to do to get my body to move well? So how do I know where to start? Remember what I just did when we started like five, 10 minutes ago, that, that concept of like internal uh, awareness, it's called interoception, the ability to feel like proprioception is, is outside, extroception, interoception, the ability to feel what's going on inside. Well, how many of you have a daily practice to feel what's going on inside your body? Anybody? Think about that. That's not a very common practice, is it? You have no idea what you're feeling inside your body. So how the hell do you know what to do? You're guessing. You're following someone else's plan. And here's what everyone does. Everyone's reactive rather than proactive, right? When do you start to add in mobility work? When it hurts. That's called being reactive. Don't be reactive. Be proactive, right? People who truly succeed in anything in life are proactive. Are you guys successful in business or in your profession? If you're good at what you do, are you reactive or proactive? You're always two steps ahead of everybody else. If you want to do the same with your body, if you want to have an exceptional life, if you want to have an exceptional physique, be proactive. Create a proactive mobility plan every day. How much time do you need? Five minutes. Is that too much to ask? Five minutes every day. you can create a plan that in five minutes every day mobilizes your body. And there's probably a very large number of reasons, I want to give a number why that's beneficial. It's not just increasing mobility, right? It's increasing blood flow. It's increasing internal awareness, right? It's increasing your ability to move without pain. So if we think of longevity, some of you people in here are uh, my age and beyond. And so when we think of longevity, there's one single thing that's correlated with longevity in my mind. One single thing. If you look at someone who, and I'm not talking about living long, I'm talking about living long and having a quality life. What is it? Quality of movement. Quality of movement. How many people do you know in their 60s, 70s, 80s, 90s who move well? If you know it, if you know somebody and they're moving well, I guarantee the first thing you think of when you look at them is like, wow, vitality, Right. When I live to be 90 and 100, I want to have ultimate vitality. And for me, the way we define that is quality movement. The only way you can achieve quality movement is by bringing this awareness inside your body. That's the only way, right? So if you're constantly mindlessly moving, I mean, that's not true. There's people that are genetic mutants that can, can move extremely poorly and still not have any joint pain. That's not me. I'm not sure if that's you guys. You have to have some semblance of mobility program. And don't take it from a perspective of, I'm doing mobility so I can be more flexible. Flexibility is not the goal. The goal of mobility is to be able to connect into your muscles, to be able to feel what's going on. And here's what else you can do with it. Do you guys realize that your body holds on to stress? I'm sure most of you guys by now realize that, right? There's a great book called The Body Keeps the Score by Bessel van der Kolk, 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 something like that. he, he writes this book about how stress in our mind becomes embodied. Anybody ever heard of that book? Anybody interested in that kind of stuff? So when you become uh, psychologically stressed or experience trauma, your body actually remembers things that are maybe similar in nature, or maybe you generalize that they're similar in nature, and they cause these these, tightness, um, these expressions of tightness in the body. Your body holds on to stress. So what does that mean? When I train mobility and I'm conscious of it, I can let the stress go. Now, my mind and my body are inextricably linked. Everybody remember this. You cannot separate your mind and body, right? So, meaning if I'm stressed in my mind, my body is also stressed. If I'm stressed in my body, my mind is also stressed. So, if I want to change the way my mind is existing in this racing state or in a stress state, if I change my physiology, my body, my mind will follow. Anybody ever experience stress? The next time you experience stress, try, try moving, try mobilizing your body, try going and doing some, walkout, some, some walking outside, ideally in the sunshine, and go a little bit more than you're comfortable with, just a little bit more than you're comfortable with you will feel so much different, right? So that's just a little tip for you guys when it comes to understanding this this mobility process. So when it comes to understanding how to change your body, please, I encourage you, create a five-minute practice at least every day to move your body. Listen, I do this when I brush my teeth. I literally do this when I brush my teeth, right? Gives me like a floss. I'm standing like doing mobility stuff. I'll have like one leg up on the counter and just like move your body. It's not, it doesn't have to be complex. It doesn't have to be a yoga class. It doesn't have to be anything miraculous. Move your body. Start there. Next, I said stability. What's stability? Stability is the ability to not move, right? Stability is the ability to not move. Now, all of us cannot move in a standing position, but what if I put you to the bottom of a lunge and I said, don't move for a minute? Could you do it? Most of you be like, yeah, I can do that. Some of you like, hell no. Stability is an indication of The muscle's ability to generate force, the muscle's ability to generate strength. What many of you will notice is when you're generating stability, you become shaky. Anybody become a little shaky? Normal. It's the nervous system upregulating contraction, right? Maybe you're exceeding the muscle's ability to contract. Maybe you're exceeding your body's ability to generate stability. But stability is very, very important. How do we train stability? I want you guys to remember three letters. This is the means of progress, whether it be stability or strength. T. DL: time, distance and load. So time, first, extend periods of time. we want to train stability. Go to a position and stay there. How many of you guys in high school did like the wall sit test? Nobody, most people are familiar with that, right? Yeah, like the wall sit test. Well, what are we doing? Well, we're just challenging stability, positional stability, right? We're going to this one specific joint angle, you're challenging stability there. And then how and then maybe something else? Maybe an isometric push-up. Go to the bottom of the push-up. Stay there. It's challenging stability. You're not necessarily increasing strength. You're not necessarily building muscle, but you're challenging stability. Here's the most important thing, everybody listen. Stability governs also contraction, right? So without stability, you can't contract muscles. The more stable you are, the more you can contract muscle. So stability can come in two places. With me, where can stability be generated? Internally and externally. Internally, I'll give you an example of internal stabilization. The squat, the squat is completely dependent on you being internally stabilized, right? Internal stabilization. What can, uh, what's an example of external stabilization? Maybe a leg press. I have all these things around me that I can push into, right? I got a big, big back platform. I got a foot platform. I can stabilize externally. Which one can I generate more force on? Leg press. But it doesn't mean that that's a better exercise. It just means that it's a different mode of generating stability. Stability is absolutely necessary for muscle contraction. Compare the ability to squat on ground, on a BOSU ball, or on ice. Which one's going to get the greatest amount of uh, force output? Ground, obviously. If I'm squatting on an unstable surface, my brain down-regulates muscle contraction. This is important. You need to be able to, to do this. So here's the takeaway for you guys. When you're training in the gym, ask yourself. I want you guys to be honest with yourself and ask yourself this. If you were to do a rep, any rep, and I want you to do it with your eyes closed, don't squat with your eyes closed, but anything else you can do with your eyes closed. Is the is the muscle contracting like a strobe light or like a spotlight? Listen, is it contracting like a strobe light or a spotlight? What's the difference? A strobe light's going on and off, it's fluttering. <laughs> A spotlight, it's, it's a fast aggressive contraction, right? You need to train your muscles to contract like a spotlight, meaning they turn on and they stay on through the entire duration of a set. That's how muscle building starts to come. It's about it's about amplitude and duration, right? So think light, a light is a good example. It's about amplitude, brightness, and duration. Right? So when I'm contracting my biceps or my Pecs or my delts or my whatever, my quads. I'm saying to myself, is this going on and off throughout the rep? Or is it staying on through the entire duration of the rep and eventually the entire duration of the set? Right? So think strobe light, spotlight. Which one is it? And I'll guarantee you guys if you listen, if you guys took nothing else away from today and you just applied this thought process to your training, your body will completely change. If you can get every muscle contracting like a spotlight, Everything's going to open up for you. This is so when you guys come and meet me in the gym. This is a probably one of the highest level priorities for me for your training. So first, I ask myself, can they access the range of motion that we need to to build this muscle? I'll give you an example of what that means in a minute. And the second is, if they can do this entire range of motion because they have the mobility, then it's like, okay, what's their ability to contract with no weight, right, or with very little weight? You don't need huge amounts of weight. If you need huge amounts of weight to maintain muscle tension, you're failing, right? So if you guys could take a small amount of weight, call it 30 to 50% of your, of your typical weight and use that to contract maximum through the entire rep, your body will change faster than you believed possible. Because most people are contracting, I don't know, from my experience, this is a guess it's subjective. I'd say probably 20 to 40% of the time, people are actually contracting their muscle. While they're, moving, while they're lifting. The rest of the time, the muscle's relaxing. right? the muscles, and remember, you're fighting against hundreds of thousands of years of evolutionary biology, right? Your body doesn't want to do work. Your body wants to conserve energy. So the only way you're going to become uh, better at building muscle is if you're conscious enough and present enough in the moment to be able to say, hey, yes, this thing is actually contracting through the entire rep right? This is important. People don't get this. 90% of the people in the world train poorly and it's not their fault. Why do they train poorly? Because your body was designed to do the minimal effective dose, path of least resistance. Your body goes, oh, if I do it this way, I conserve energy. And guess what that means for you? Less energy expenditure, less muscle building. It's not necessarily wrong. It's just not what we're trying to do, right? Any movement is great, but if you're trying to build muscle and challenge muscle, you have to say, I want to do as much work as possible. I'm moving toward the discomfort. I'm moving into the challenge. I want to move as hard, make this as hard as I possibly can instead of as easy as I possibly can. Here's a quote to remember Seek to challenge muscles, not to complete repetitions. If I write three sets of eight on your workout program and your mind is focused on three sets of eight, you've already failed. This is why I hate writing reps and programs unless I'm there to watch you. If I give you a set of 20, your brain goes, holy shit, the first eight, you're kind of like, you're you're trying to do as little as possible. And then maybe maybe you work hard in like, you know, the 12 to 15 range. And then the last five, you're just trying to get through, right? At no point do you say to yourself, I want to make every single inch of every single rep as hard as I possibly can. Do you? How many people can honestly say that? I'm actually trying to make every single inch of every single rep as hard as I possibly can. So let me ask you, is the goal to complete reps or is the goal to challenge muscles? What's the goal? So if we're looking for, so when it comes to muscle building, this is important, when it comes to muscle building, tension, damage, and stress, right? Muscular tension and and pulling on two bones, damage, which is eccentric kind of uh, unloading, and then stress is like metabolic um basically like energy production, the byproducts of, of work, tension, damage, stress. So if if my goal is tension, damage, and stress, let's ask the question again, is the goal to maximally challenge the muscle or is the goal to finish the reps? What do you guys think? The goal is to maximally challenge the muscle. Reps don't mean anything, right? It's about how much tension, damage, and stress can I put through this muscle, right? At no point does it say, oh, I did eight reps. Nobody cares. You're the only one that cares, right? Because you can post on Instagram and say you did a, you did a PR today. <laughs> but I, so there's value in there's value in the psychological win of what we'll call progressive overload, right? There's value in saying today I did eight and yesterday I did seven. There's value in that psychologically because it's progress. But where the true value is on the inside of our body is in creating tension, damage, and stress, which allows the body to adapt and change. So now I'm going to add a little uh, wrench in this for you. When it comes to generating tension, damage, and stress, one of the biggest mistakes I see people making is following a plan that doesn't suit their body. Here's what I mean. How many of you guys, honest, honest statement, I want to see a, a show of hands. How many of you guys have a plan right now that's designed for you? Designed for you means based on how much your body is capable of recovering right now. If I'm doing a program that is exceeding my body's ability to uh, recover, I've, I'm not progressing. So, your recoverability determines your program right so if you say i'm doing a program and i'm sore for a couple of days or i'm not sleeping very well or i'm i'm in a caloric deficit yet i'm training really hard you're failing your body's not going to adapt right this is a big gap in the industry everybody says i'm going to go into a caloric deficit and i'm going to increase my training stress those two are don't go together right water uh, oil and water so here's how to think about this when you start in, uh, what I'll call a foundational phase, and I'm going to tell you about that in one minute. A foundational phase is the first phase we start in when we come into a body transformation, whether that be to build muscle, lose fat or transform your body. It doesn't matter. We all start in a foundational phase. Here are the objectives, the, well, the multiple primary objectives of a foundational phase. We must increase our body's ability to recover. Think of stress in terms of a bucket. And we all, have a, we all have a stress bucket. Some of us have a small bucket. Some of us have a really big bucket. It's our ability to tolerate stress. It's our ability to tolerate stress. And stress can be financial and, and um, relational, and it can be chemical. It can be food. It can be training. All this to stress. And if your current stress load is filling the bucket, like I've got enough stress, I don't feel like I can take on anymore. And I come along and negligently dump some more stress in your life and say, hey, let's work more, let's, work, let's do more volume, work harder this week. And I'm also going to take away the biggest lever you have against stress, which is calories. And you're so I'm making your stress bucket smaller, and I'm dumping more in, you're spilling over, you don't adapt and recover, right? Your body simply doesn't have the ability or the resources to adapt. So, the first thing we all do in a foundational phase, and I'm going to go into details in this in a minute. The first thing we do in, in a foundational phase is we increase our ability to adapt. Here's how we do that. Anybody interested in hearing how you increase your ability to adapt? Amazing. So as I just said, calories are a really, really important lever against stress. If you take away calories, particularly I mean all calories, but particularly carbohydrate, proteins and fats as well, um, you decrease your body's ability to recover. So taking that away is a big no-no if your objective is, is improving performance. So most people make that huge glaring error. I'm going to, how many of you guys have been guilty of that in the past? I don't I have. I'm going to increase the amount of work that I do. I'm going to increase cardio, increase training, increase cardio, and decrease calories. Anybody do that? All right. That's the, that's the kiss of death, right? And how many people also, and keeping your hands up on, on that line, how many people have also done, uh, you know, done a transformation program, or a muscle-building program, and then hit applied so that they couldn't get past? You felt like you were working so hard and yet not seeing results for the amount of work that you're putting in. Anybody? Yeah. Very common, right? So you're, you're not uh, appropriately matching your caloric intake or maybe your ability to recover from stress with the training program. These two things can't be separated. So here's a few things. I'm going to give you guys six targets for phase one foundational phase. Okay. we for that six targets. So first and foremost, to increase our, our recoverability, we, t- we talked about sleep. I know that's kind of, you know, beating a dead horse these days. Like everyone talks about sleep, but it's that important. So. You got to optimize sleep in phase one, first, first phase, got to recover sleep because sleep is like this. It's like a, it's this um, small hinge that swings a big door, right? It's a huge lever. Okay. So sleep, stress, we have to not necessarily decrease stress, but we have to uh, learn to modulate or moderate stress. And I could talk about that. And then we look at gut health and inflammation. And I think those two things are inseparable. Gut health, digestion, and inflammation. So again, to reiterate, we sleep, stress, gut health, and inflammation. Then we have insulin sensitivity, aerobic fitness, and skill acquisition. Those are our six primary objectives for phase one. So if you guys are, and I think every one of you, I should say this, phase one doesn't necessarily mean it only happens once. Phase one for me happens at least two times a year and uh, often three. So it's these times when... I want I want to put my body through more recovery phase, right? I've pushed the envelope for a while. I've kind of in the way I, the way I think of it guys is this, all those life stresses, whether it be whether it be financial or relational or chemical or or even training stress, you're digging little holes, right? You're digging little holes around your body. Sometimes you're digging big holes because you're just digging yourself further and further and further. And eventually you're walking around in a landmine. right? you're walking around in a place where you, you can't even get your feet on the ground. So a foundational phase is about filling in all those holes. So that we can have a nice solid foundation under our feet from which to make progress okay then phase two is called an optimization phase and the way we think about optimization phase is it's this this progressive ascension look at me everybody it's this progressive ascension of training volume and recoverability so we scale those two things concurrently this is phase two, but listen, you can't move into phase two unless you if you've completed phase one. And phase one means I need to be proving my sleep, adequate sleep and recovery, stress modulation. I can talk to you about that if you're interested, gut health and digestion, obviously inflammation, insulin sensitivity, aerobic fitness and skill acquisition. So those are all the things we work on in phase one. Phase one averages four to 12 weeks in duration. Some people need lead need some people need no foundational phase. Some people have all those things nailed. Some people need a longer foundation. But I'm going to tell you a secret. People make more progress in this foundational phase than they do in subsequent phases often. Why? Because we're healing the body. Do you guys, if I told you guys that your body wants to be healthy, would you believe me? Your body wants to burn fat at rest, right? Your body wants to optimize hormones. It doesn't want to be sick and unhealthy. It's just the dumb shit we do in our lives that makes us sick and unhealthy, right? The lack of sleep, the poor light exposure, the lack of movement, the poor nutritional um, decisions. And all of those things are a result of living in our amygdala, living in our animal brain. We get in this stressed state. The body releases adrenaline, the body releases cortisol, we feel anxious and stressed. All of a sudden we start doing things we don't want to do, which brings us back full circle to what I started with today. So we're on to this optimization phase once you've graduated from the foundational phase. And really the simple nature of it is. Scaling recoverability and scaling volume of training. Scaling, scaling, obviously, volume and intensity. So, scaling the amount of training you're doing. And then we're going to move once we've done that. Now, uh, optimization phase. I like to stay in optimization phases until my body feels like I couldn't possibly do any more training. I was like, either I don't have any more in my schedule. I'm like, you know what? I'm just not recovering enough. I'm going to stop this. And then what I do is the optimization phase st- uh, stops we move into a performance phase, right? Phase three is called the performance phase. And that's where we sustain that amount of volume and that amount of recovery for an extended period of time until my body feels like it's progressed. It's made a lot of change during this performance phase. So during the performance phase, most if you guys don't understand how that looked for me, that's really where you're going to get massive amounts of, of body transformation. So your, your muscles are going to grow, your fat's going to come off. Like that's where I would be if I was getting ready for a contest or where you might want to be if you're, if you're getting into a transformation phase. Notice, before that we went into this performance phase, there's two phases that had to precede that. And again, those can be, if you do them well, and you execute with 100% accuracy, they're eight weeks, right? And then you're into this performance phase, where now the results almost feel like they're coming daily. This is where you guys are waking up every day, and your body fat gets leaner. Your body looks like, oh, I look tighter today. Oh, gosh, every week I look like I put on a couple pounds of muscle. There's a couple of my clients mixed in here and they will know this, right? The, the people who have gone through transformations with us will know like, oh yeah, that, I remember that phase. And you're working hard, but you also feel like you have the ability to recover from it. Like it's the hardest workouts you've done in your life, but you wake up the next, you, you leave the gym feeling better, not worse. I always say the workouts should be additive, not subtracting. And the next day you wake up and you're like, God, you know, I feel like I, I could do it again. That's when you know you're in a performance phase. If you train today and you're sore for three days. You exceeded your ability to recover. Anybody sore for more than one day? One, two days? One, two days is okay. If you're sore for three, four days, you're doing too much based on your body's ability to recover. So you need to pull back the volume and increase the frequency. So then we're into this performance phase and sustain that as long as we can. And then before your body goes, okay, I've had enough. And here's what we do. If you're wanting to build muscle, we can gradually bump calories up during a performance phase. If you're wanting to lose fat, we can gradually bump calories down during a performance phase while trying to maintain the relative amount of workload, right? So workload is like total number of uh, reps and sets on a daily and weekly basis, right? So we're usually equating the number of sets and reps relative to the intensity over a week. And if we maintain that and we decrease calories, guess what happens? a little bit of fat loss, right? Or or drastic fat loss in many cases. And sometimes here's the crazy thing. You don't even need to decrease calories. The body just does it. The body just becomes more effective at burning fat. Let me tell you guys one thing about fat loss. Do you realize that at any one moment right now in this exact minute, you guys are burning fat and glycogen and carbohydrate. So glycogen, carbohydrate, the same. Fat and carbohydrate, you're burning both. Everyone is burning a percentage of fat and a percentage of carb. Those two percentages add up to be 100% of the calories you're burning in this moment. You can't burn up to 100% fat or up to 100% carb at every moment of your life. Up to 100%, Imagine burning 100% fat at rest. That's the goal, right? Your body absolutely can do that. When I was competing as a bodybuilder, I went and had a, what's called a metabolic cart where they, they um, measure your respired gases, and they could tell you exactly how much fat you're burning relative to how much carb you're burning. And I was in the range of about 98 to 98, 99% fat burning at rest, right? Doesn't that sound aspirational? Like, how do I get there? Well, I can tell you how to get there. Go do what we just did in phase one, right? We need to improve sleep, stress, uh, good health and inflammation, insulin sensitivity, aerobic fitness and skill. If you do those things, your metabol- it's called metabolic flexibility. Has anyone heard that term before? Metabolic flexibility? Yeah. No. We can massively increase metabolic flexibility. So here's a very, very, very important thing to know. Human beings are very, very simple. We're all just trying to feel better than we did a minute ago, right? So if I, if something in my body doesn't feel good, I want to change my state, right? We're all just looking to change our state. That's why we drink. That's why we smoke. That's why we take drugs. That's why we take whatever. So we do those things. So why we consume food. If if I know that eating a donut will make me feel better than my current state, most people, not all, but most are going to choose the donut. Some ever we all have like, this is important. I teach my kids this. We all have internal and external coping strategies, right? So external coping strategy is alcohol, it's drugs, it's food, um, maybe even television is an external coping strategy, right? I feel a certain way, and this external thing lets me feel better temporarily. Internal coping strategy is learning how to manage stress with it with a physiological change. Exercise can be either external or internal. and so I learned how to change my physiology. It could be breath work, it could be meditation, it could be sunshine, it could be grounding, it could be movement. All these things are ways that I change my physiological state to make me feel better in a positive way, right? So I want you guys all to think about, let's do a little uh, exercise here. I want you guys all to think about what your coping strategy is. And you all know it, you don't have to think about it. What's your coping strategy when you feel stressed, when you feel anxious, when you feel like you lack energy, food, alcohol, pills. What's the pro, what's the What's the strategy? You have to tell me, think about it. Now, if we said, okay, I know that there's an internal coping strategy that you could easily replace it with. Would you be willing to put in the day, week, month that it might take to learn to be better at this thing so that for the rest of your life, you now have an internal coping strategy instead of crutch. So for people who want to transform, exercise, Breath work, meditation, movement, yoga, anything that allows you to connect with your body like we did at the beginning and release the tension and release the feeling, release the adrenaline, makes it go away. Now you wake up feeling amazing and you go to bed feeling amazing, right? Now you can feel empowered by life rather than feeling overwhelmed by life, right? All those feeling, every feeling you've ever had up to this point is transient, isn't it? as as Lance Armstrong says it may pain is temporary, it may last a minute, an hour or even a, a day, but eventually it will subside, right but quitting lasts forever again that's his statement I think it's relevant, but it's uh it's this reality that every every emotion, every feeling we've ever had is transient, and if we can learn to cope with those things internally, we can change here's the thing with exercise this is this is my uh, my A big part of my message in my brand that I didn't really build in today's, today's podcast, a big part of the messaging in the brand is that uh, exercise, in my opinion, is your greatest daily opportunity to become more conscious, right? So we talk about increasing consciousness as a human. How can exercise be an opportunity to become more conscious? Well, if you're tuning into your body, you're becoming really connected with what's happening inside of your body. What are you not doing? right? You're not thinking in your head. You're connecting in your body. Exercise for me is a meditative experience. The only thing I'm concentrating on is what do I feel in my body? There's no thought in, in going on in my exercise. What do I feel? I'm so present in that moment. I mean, if you're under 600 or 800 pounds, you're damn well going to be present. Otherwise, you're going to be in big trouble. But it's this opportunity to go, okay, no matter what I'm doing, how can I be more present and more precise with what I'm doing in the gym? Now, here's the beautiful thing. I can take this precision and this consciousness that I'm creating in the gym, this ability to be present in this moment, and I can take it and apply it in my relationships. I can take it and apply it in my business. I can take it and apply it in my studies, in, in any aspect of my life. So I'm more present. I'm more conscious. I'm more ability to have a conversation and be here now, right? And exercise is your daily training for that. The exercise you're already doing, no matter what it is. It can be CrossFit, can be TRX, can be kettlebell, it doesn't matter. You have the ability to do it mindlessly, or you have the ability to do it mindfully. When it comes to body transformation, and I think that's what we're all after, right? It's not just like, yeah, I want to learn to train better. It's like, what are all these things inside of the gym and outside of the gym that influence the way I look and the way I feel and the way I perform? So at the end of the day, it comes down to look, feel, and perform, right? I want to look amazing. I want to feel like a champion. I want to perform like a gold medal athlete, right? And so, or, or whatever your desired end state is. Um, and there's a lot that goes into that. There's a lot that's um, influencing your physiology. So let me talk to you guys about how I frame this in my mind really, really simply. If I'm trying to influence the way that I look, feel, and perform, well, the way I think of it is if you were to picture, you guys can picture Rocky, Rocky standing in the middle, and around Rocky is these six potential influences. There's really only six things that you can do with the human system. And so what are those six things? Well, we it's it's the way we move, the way we eat, the way we breathe. The way we think, the way we sleep, and the environment in which we do them. That's it. Six. And the environment includes air, light, people. and I also now started including EMF, because there's a lot of it. So all those things are, in, are influencing, in some level or another, our internal physiology, right? So internal physiology, you can think of it as like this, um, this big soup or this big stew. And this like mix of enzymes and hormones and all these things that are happening inside the body that happen as a result of these six inputs. Yeah. So your body, the way it looks on the outside is an expression of what's happening on the inside. So the way your body appears on the outside is a perfect expression of what's happening on the inside. And if you want to change it, you have to take control of these six inputs. So this is what the muscle intelligence transformation method does, right? We don't just look at training. We don't just look at nutrition. We look at all six of these areas and we go, okay, which one of these for you is not supporting your objectives? And I'll tell you what, would you guys be surprised if I told you that it's proven that the greatest influence on our physiology, so if you have to guess what the single biggest influence on our physiology is, what would you say? Most people would say nutrition. Yes? Put your hand up and say nutrition. How about movement? Oh, sleep? That's a good guess thinking <laughs> that's up there i'll tell you what it's none of those do you want to know which one it is it's light it's light is the single greatest influence on our on human physiology on human biology that's really interesting isn't it most people wouldn't have thought that it's like oh it's your, it's like you guys guessed every all of the five <laughs> other than the one that it is and most people go there's no way it's like yeah it's light light has the greatest influence on our physiology and so now you guys will see there's people now coming out with like infrared light machines that you can shine on your body that completely can change your physiology. But so I just, I only share that to uh, kind of impart on you the value of everything, right? The value of something that you may see as insignificant, uh, but it's massive. And what about people? How much do people influence our physiology, right? Do you, do, can people change the way you feel? Passively, right? Good, bad, sometimes indifferent. Uh, yeah, Mike's saying everything starts with circadian rhythms and light dictates hormones. It does. It also dictates energy production and energy is the root of everything we do. So again, if we get down to like subcellular physiology, right, we call it like quantum physiology, like what's happening at its lowest level. Well, there's photons of light being emitted through the mitochondria with every, any, any bit of energy produced. So when your body produces more energy, these photons of light being emitted from the mitochondria. So we're light beings, right? When people talk about people having auras, there's legitimately auras. Not everyone can see it, but there legitimately is. I think if we walked around with less artificial light, more people would be aware of their gift in seeing these auras. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I wanted to say light affects my It does. Light is huge. Again, I'm not, so, I'm not telling you this because I want you to become neurotic about your light, although you should be because I'm neurotic about my light. Um, but, no, but honestly, like, there's I'm just letting you know, there's so many things that influence the way you look and the way you feel and the way you perform. There's a lot that goes into it. There's a lot that you guys don't understand. And there's a lot of misinformation out there, isn't there? There's, you know, you know the challenge in the world right now, social media is such a gift and it's such a challenge because people who in the past have been the fringe minority who like nobody really heard now have this platform for everybody to listen to. And these extremist people are getting all this publicity because they scream the loudest. Where in the past have been we like shut, shut up, like you're you're being crazy. Now they just get they get all this publicity, which is which is challenging. See, it's hard for for like rational people to know who to listen to. Right. So the rational people are like, those people are crazy. The extremes are crazy. I'm just gonna go ahead and find my little place in the middle. Because they're given this platform to scream loud and they they have the the you call it passion to, to scream loud, it's hard to know who to listen to, right? It's like you guys have all heard the vegans and the carnivores, they're the loudest of all. And the answer is somewhere in the middle, right? Vegan and carnivore can work for sure, but is it ideal for everyone? No chance, right? The way to think of it is like vegan and carnivore are the outliers and the, the 90% of us should be in the middle. They're the, they're the 5% on the outside. And I'm not saying they're wrong. I'm saying certain people, 5% of the population can actually benefit from those, but everyone else can or, or shouldn't. But anyways, we, I digress. We could talk about that all day. Coming back to wrapping up the content. It's so vital that. So one of the one of the metaphors I like to use is: is it, Did anyone of you guys own a business? You want to own their own business? So if you own your own business, even if you don't, we get the metaphor. If you own your own business, and I and and I came to you and I said, "Hey, you know what? I need a business plan." And you go, "Yeah, no problem." Go on the internet, download this business plan. That'll work for you. Like you go on in the internet, you download some arbitrary business plan. And is it going to work for you? Well, you may get some value out of it. You may get some. Direction, you may get some structure. Maybe you, you follow any plan. Some plan is better than none. But in reality, the business plan you want should be for your business, right? And so it's got very specific needs. It's got a very specific market. It's got very specific, uh, you know, uh, maybe a lead funnel or whatever, a supply chain and things. And the same thing's happening with your body, right? So for you guys to go on the internet and download a program, some programs are very, very good, some programs are very effective. And they're novel, right? There's value in novelty when it comes to programs. When I created MI40, the first program which was 2010, a long time ago now, um, and we sold, you know, I don't know if it's a million, pretty close, a lot, lot of copies. Um, the reason it worked, and I was very conscious of this, I decided on the five biggest challenges, or the five biggest mistakes that everyone was making. When I started MI40, it was 2010, I said, well, what are the five things I see everyone doing? I'm gonna fix those. So the program was built around those five big problems. And when I solved those problems for everybody, they're like, oh my God, this is the best program I've ever used in my life. It works so much and so well. Thank you. You changed my life. This is what I heard often. I did zero marketing and we did huge amounts of sales, but only because I was like, okay, well, what problem are people having? Let's solve it for them. So again, did I, did I customize that program for people? No, but I solved common problems. Did it work? Of course, because it solved common problems. But now it seems as though the more diverse the demographic, the more diverse the challenge set, right? Now we're getting into to young people and middle-aged people and older people and women and men and different goals. So my encouragement to you guys is if you, if you have the desire to transform your body, and I'll say this, if now if, if you're just someone who is interested in adding some muscle, like, yeah, it'd be nice. If it's a, if it would be nice for you, then keep doing what you're doing and just do your best. Right, work hard every day, try to progress, learn a little bit every day, and, and you'll get better over time. What the thing that that uh, I don't know what the word I'm looking for is that I that I struggle with the thing that that really I mean, upsets me I guess and upset isn't the right word but uh, frustrates me is when I see people five years later. And they look the same or worse. And I know they're doing, they're working hard in the gym. That just like, I was like, man, I feel bad for these people. So, if you guys have ever been to my gym in Tampa, some people here have been to my gym. The model of my gym is that everyone that comes in the door gets a personal trainer, at least until we decide they're competent. They and we decide they're competent to go out on their own. Because I hate the fact that people can go to a gym for one year, two years, five years and and not make any progress. They're the same as they, when they came in. Or worse, right? And that that was like, listen, my gym's not gonna be that. So we have a limited number of members. We only take on 150 members. And everyone who's been in the gym has had or does still have one of our coaches. And they get amazing results. They get amazing transformations. And eventually they learn how to do it, some of them, and they go on and on. Some of them wanna do it forever because they know they're getting the best results they possibly could. They're maximizing their minutes, right? So when you go to the gym, you get some people get 30 minutes, some get 45, some get 60, some get 90, arbitrary. We all want to make the most of the time we're putting in. Yes? Yes or no? Do you guys want to go in there and like, this is the, the analogy I often use and it's a perfect one. How many of you people on this call read a book a week? Another question. How many of you read a book a week and retain all the information in the book? Right? So here's the thing. So many people read a book a week, and you ask them what was in the book, and they can't tell you anything, right? So it's like reading a book just to read a book. Or is it reading a book to actually get the information, get the knowledge, get get the, the wisdom from the book, right? And so exercise is no different. Most people go to the gym just to be able to say they went to the gym. They don't actually want the result. That's a wrap, ladies and gents, boys and girls. Thanks for being here. If you did enjoy this podcast, head right now over to muscleintelligence.com slash lean and get hooked up with our very limited time offer. It's available only for the next four days. You can join me and my team uh, over the next 12 weeks and get in the best shape of your life. Lean for Life, 90-day body transformation guided by yours truly. I'm going to be teaching you every single week. Uh, We do a live call to answer all your questions. We write your workout, write your nutrition plan, write your cardio plan. We'll help you with mobility, uh, and then ultimately we'll answer all your questions every week live, me personally and my team on a call, every weekend. So if you guys are ready to take action, then let's do it. I look forward to seeing you on the inside of lean for life, muscle intelligence.com slash lean. You can also check that in the show notes. Enjoy. We'll talk to you soon. Thank you so much for tuning into muscle intelligence. If you enjoyed today's episode, please be sure to share it with at least one person, you know, make sure you're subscribed. So you never miss an episode.